You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Doc Jock. Alongside Dr. Mitchell Roslin, I am Greg Sussman. Doc, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. World Series ready to start. Yes, sir. Giants get another chance. Monday night football. Absolutely. And I think we're seeing college college football, college basketball, basically the college sports system change in front of our eyes. Yeah, and I wanted to start right there because... It's really interesting what has gone on this weekend with college sports. You, the first, Nick Bosa saying, "You know what? I'm good. Not gonna work. Not gonna work his way back from injury to get back to Ohio State, potentially play in a national championship because he doesn't want to get hurt. He's a lot of money coming his way, and he wants to make sure he secures that contract and secures that high draft pick. We also saw the NBA this weekend announce we're gonna start paying." Premier kids, $125,000 a year before they're eligible to be drafted to go play in the G League. No more than $125,000. No high school seniors will be allowed to enter the NBA draft, but they're presenting another option. Today, Doc, we also saw a kid sign with New Balance for a million-dollar contract. Rather than go to the college football, college basketball arena, he decided, hey, Give him my million-dollar internship, quote-unquote, with New Balance. He'll train for the next year, and then he'll enter the NBA lottery. A lot is changing along the college landscape. Absolutely. Um, And number one, I I think that while people who are older are traditionalists, this is the system we grew up on, I think that you have to take a step back and realize that what these— what these people are doing is actually logical. Yeah. You know, Nick Bosa's brother, Joey Bosa, went through a contract dispute with San Diego. They understand the limited time, and he's making a very solid business decision. The danger, of course, is not to the player, or not so-called college sports, but the perception that the name on the uniform is more important to the fans and the alumni. And that's a slippery slope, but one that I think intellectually that we'd all agree is true. And, you know, just to add something, the trial going on about college sports and basketball with the FBI is the most ridiculous trial that I've ever seen. I began to look that up this weekend because I was... Trying to understand it, because it's basically what these guys have been charged with is wire fraud. When there's wire fraud, there has to be a victim. In other words, me trying to sell you something bad, you wire me money, you get nothing, and then I haven't delivered, and and it's a fraud. So trying to figure out here, what's the fraud of a sneaker company paying a player to play for their AAU team it may be unethical or against the rules of the NCAA. Right. Okay. And then steering them to a college that they have a relationship. So who is the frauded party? It seems to me everybody is winning. So The fraud's the NCAA. Well, the fraud's the NCAA, but the NCAA is not on trial here. The fraud is even better. And this is what people don't understand. And I began to think about this when we were talking last week. Yeah. And we were talking last week and we said that Bill Self knew 
and the texts from Bill Self were introduced by the defense. Okay, that was in that article. Of course, we never noticed it because we were only concerned with Bill Self, Kansas, etc. Of course, our brains don't work that way. So we see that Bill, the defense. So why would the defense be entering documentation of Bill Self being there? Mm-hmm. Because the government's victim is the colleges. They are stating that these frauds have forced the colleges to cheat, therefore devaluing their intercollegiate sports program and people down the line who were not associated with the fraud may pay the penalty, Mm -hmm. which is why the defense was showing that the school knew because if the school can't be the victim, there is no wire fraud. Does that make sense? Aren't you glad that our government is spending the money on this? You know, isn't this really super? But going back to what you said, you know, the Europeans have always thought that our system is crazy. Now, and we've always thought that the European soccer system where seven-year-olds go into academies and then they train their players and then essentially sell them for transfer rights, we've always found that crazy. And we've had this amateur system, not in baseball, which is also different legally because they had a reserve clause exemption, in football and basketball our entire life. And I think it began with the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit and then it takes a few years, but there's a lot of things percolating right now. And I think that you're going to see people using the college system to increase their marketability, especially in high-risk sports. And once their marketability reaches a certain point, they are going to place themselves in, for lack of a better way of explaining it, a glorified IMG academy. And I think the really interesting thing is Tua. Does Tua come back and play again next year for Alabama? Or does he challenge the system? Or does he just sit out a year? I think it's more likely he sits out the year. I I think he plays number one, to be honest with you. But I think what we are seeing in college sports in general is what you were saying earlier about the name on the front of the jersey being much, much more important to fans and alumni and donors and boosters than anybody else, particularly the people that are wearing said jerseys. But I also realize since a couple of years ago when we saw the first players really sit out those bowl games and we were in horror, we were disgusted. It was wrong. Nick Bosa making his announcement wasn't met, in my opinion, with that same sort of apathy that there was a couple of years ago with a Leonard Fournette, with a Christian McCaffrey. I think this time it was like, I see what he's doing. That well, makes sense. I think Jalen Smith changed the whole dialogue. You're probably right about that. I think you're J- probably right about that. I think that Jalen Smith changed the whole dialogue. The, the other thing is that the lack of innocence in college sports, you know, when Keith Jackson was doing the games on, you know, the SEC sure. game of the week, mm-hmm. and it seemed so great. And I, I, I think the, you know, it doesn't have that same, that same innocence in appearance. It probably never was, mm-hmm. but doesn't have that innocence. And I think that 
people see coaches making, you know, and, and to be perfectly honest, Alabama football has revitalized the University of Alabama. No question. There are a lot of kids from up here getting great scholarships to go down there based on the revenue that football's produced. So from that standard, Nick Saban is worth every bit, every dollar that he's worth. But when a poor, you know, or a lower middle class kid comes through the system, why should he be taking an unnecessary risk to the, for the benefit of Alabama, University of Alabama? Now realize, I don't think it's going to... It's going to change college sports. I don't think it's going to destroy it. I, I think that, for example, we love March Madness and the fact that the better players have gone to the NBA for years hasn't taken made the tournament less attractive. In fact, what we love about the tournament is Bucknell beating Duke, you know, or, or you know, the mid-major sure. coming, coming through in that. Definitely. So if anything, the one-and-dones have actually led to probably – more upsets because the mid-majors can mature as teams and you can get that player who wasn't great at 18 that at 21 is really, really good. You get seniors that are more physically mature. To some extent, it's leveled the playing field. Um, But I think we're really going to be looking at drastic changes and I can see more of these academies propping up you know, finance potentially by what you talk about, the sneaker companies or the agents, or potentially in football where you don't have the lucrative sneakers, you'll have places like IMG paying them in advance. So they'll pay them similar to what the Development League and take that out of the first contract. You know, and another thing that comes into it is the Europeans with their elite soccer players, they don't have them playing as many games as we do, because they'll say we need to value our investments because they're essentially, for lack of a better word, they're selling these players on transfer fees, especially the poorer teams. The South American leagues, that's the way they make their money. They sell their top talent to the Premier League. So their incentives, while it may sound terrific that they're selling human beings to us, but that's what transfer fees are, their motivation is in line with the player. In other words, the more the transfer fee, the more the player is going to get paid. Um, there's no selfish benefit for them over-utilizing or, or devaluing their asset. Whereas, on the other hand, there's no, there's no other than the fiduciary responsibility and the fact that you're supposed to care about your players and care about men. There's nothing about, you know... Would DJ Durkin, as we talked about from your alma mater, Maryland, be concerned about giving a running back too many carries so he can't, so that there's more miles on his body when he goes into the pros? 100%. 100%. And that is, it has to be the future. It has to be players trying to mitigate damage and, and leagues and sponsors helping that because that. That is the num- that is the item that they're selling, right? Like they're selling their bodies, for lack of a better term, and they need to be protected. They're the money maker, you know. And, and it's so funny how we're we're so critical, you know, and, and in my circles we look at graduate school. It, it, it's so funny. I, I remember when PEDs, is, is, and this is a, a little bit of a physician story, and how okay. critical people were of PEDs. But do you know how many requests I've gotten from friends? 
to prescribe attention deficit disorder drugs so that their kids could do better on standardized tests? 100%, sure. Okay. Sure. So now think about it. These are the same people that are saying, wait, wait a second, you know, uh, you know what, what this player did is absolutely terrible. They're the first people to say, you know, um, Susie has a little bit of trouble concentrating on her SATs. Can you do me a favor and write a prescription for Adderall, cons- yeah. for Adderall Concerta, mm-hmm. or, or one, of, one of those things? I mean, if they don't really have a diagnosis and, you know, you know, isn't that like performance enhancing? Doesn't that potentially take a slot away from somebody else? Absolutely, Doc. I mean, NFL players have been suspended for using Adderall. And the amount of people that I know my age or my my close to my age that have taken Adderall to cram for tests, to cram for SATs, to cram for exams, to write a paper overnight. I'd say I knew more people that used Adderall than didn't. Right. And I'm sure the same people that said, I can't stand Jose Canseco. (laughs) Some of them, sure. Some of them were appalled by steroid use. And there they are, popping Adderall. And it's kind of really, really interesting Mm -hmm. when you look at things retrospectively and society has offered an opinion. And we have said steroids are really, really bad. So everyone looks at it with that retrospective microscope. But then if they look at their own behavior, okay? Yep. How many of them wouldn't have looked for the edge, you know, with that and, and, and look back on that? Because I've gotten these phone calls all, 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 all the time. Okay. You know, and it, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. Another thing about college sports, and we saw with Ohio State winning, I looked at Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay's early draft pick. I've never seen it so clustered for Alabama and Clemson. And it's really interesting that you would believe with the abundance of games on television, the abundance of, of exposure that you can get at any school, and the fact that if you go to Alabama or Clemson, you're more likely to have to sit unless you're truly all world. You would expect their, the talent pool to be more more spread about evenly. But again, I think you're seeing the opposite with elite talent because, again, they realize being coached by Saban and maybe Dabo Sweeney seems to be the better ticket in, and you're seeing less diversity of the talent spreading rather than more, which you would expect exactly the opposite with all of the exposure out there. Yeah, uh, I, I think... Well, you know, there is a lot of exposure, um, and there are so many programs, and there are different places to find players, but Alabama and Clemson, I, I think there is something still, Doc, to being there every year. The coaches, obviously, but getting to the Final Four every year, being as good as you are every year, and it took Davos Sweeney some time to build up that program, saving, saving, but it doesn't surprise me, I think, as much, the cluster, as much as does you. And, and interestingly, okay, Alabama goes back to Bear Bryant, Bryant and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yet we look at how Nebraska just won a game and, and struggled. But Alabama has been one of the pinnacle college sports. Forever. I would say Alabama, Texas, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, um, Oklahoma, and then I'll put the California schools in there to USC. USC, yeah. Okay, USC. As thing, but Clemson obviously, you know they they've had their time. 
I want to put up there. Like, what makes a Clemson a Clemson, and why right. can't with all the Under Armour money, definitely, and, sure, you know, a place like Maryland get out of its own way. Right. And I think it's a great, great question that I think a school like Maryland has been trying to figure out for a very long time. And I think you could, the most recent example you could see with, with Oregon, right? With Chip Kelly, it became a destination. It became exciting. It became fun. And then Chip Kelly goes away and they, um, uh, Mark Helfrich didn't get the job done. Willie Taggart really didn't get the job done. And whoever's coaching there now, it's not the destination that it used to be despite Phil Knight money from Nike. So to answer your question, what is it, right? What keeps the talent coming and coming and coming, it's winning, right? It took Dabo Swinney a really, really long time to get there. It's winning and location, too. Well, yes and you no. You see what's going on? I don't know if I agree well, with that. I think that the, Is Oregon a location? Well, but Oregon's not recruiting against as many people as the East Coast. But, for example, Michigan, the Big Ten schools are dealing with a decline, and Notre Dame, for that matter, a declining birth cycle and basically areas that have become impoverished. So Notre Dame was, you know, Mola High School in Ohio and all of those places. Well, so, so that's where I, I disagree a bit because, because Notre Dame, the reason that they had the top recruits forever and ever and ever is because of the exposure, right? Like being on NBC nationally, now it doesn't matter. But they would always get, you know, the Nebraskas would get the Johnny Rogers from Florida, okay? They would get... A, a lot of their skill position places from Florida and Texas. Oregon actually recruited the hell out of Texas and California for, for that matter. I think that the rise of the SEC has really hurt some of these other schools because you don't have as many kids coming up in those positions and you have a declining birth boom in, 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 in some of the Midwest towns in, in, outside the East Coast. But there are these connections with the coaches. Like, Urban Meyer, no matter where he is, has proven to be a winner, and he gets whoever he wants to come to Columbus. Okay. Will Scott Frost win in Nebraska, or is Nebraska never going to be in Nebraska? Uh, I don't know that Nebraska will ever be the Nebraska that, that you're speaking of, but I think Scott Frost will have success. Like, I, I think he will. I think he's a good coach from what we saw in his But he's going to have to convince kids from Texas and Florida yeah. to go to Nebraska, which yeah. is no easy sell. No doubt about it. But if someone like Doug, uh, Doug Collins, Chris Collins can be successful in Northwestern, which has never had any success, I think a guy like Scott Frost, the legendary Scott Frost at Nebraska, can have some success. First of all, basketball, A, a little bit different. Smaller teams, smaller numbers. Smaller teams, okay. And... and, and he can play off that whole Duke, you know, lineage. Cla- classically good schools like Villanova is a pretty good academic school. Jay, right? Yeah. Good schools have done classically well in, in basketball. Yes, they have. It, it's, it's, it's hard to have that huge recruiting base at, that you need in football where you're bringing in 110 players, you know, yeah. on scholarship rather yeah. than. 15 players on, 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 on scholarship. Yeah, I, I totally, totally get that. It'll be interesting now over the next couple of years and, and really even sooner probably how recruiting does change, how the rules do change, and what, uh, what the NCAA looks like really five years from now or so. So to bring it back, I yeah. think it's going to be real changes. Yeah. I don't know where it lands. I think it's a state of flux. Okay. I, I think that um, the somebody's going to challenge the NFL three years at a high school policy. I would tend to believe that that policy is legal. It's been negotiated as part of the collective bargaining right. agreement. And I, I would tend to believe that, um, that they have a logical argument and there are age restrictions in other jobs. 
And as long as there's nothing discriminatory about it, I would believe that it's just a negotiated part of the collective bargaining agreement. But I think more and more players, once they reach a certain level of marketability, are going to take themselves out of the the equation. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's going to be any downside to their pro careers. Yeah, uh, there won't be any downside to their pro careers. We've seen it plenty of times before where guys come in and, and get paid and they get kicked off the team and then get picked in the first round because it wasn't their fault, right? I mean, they're just doing what they have to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, again, the the question becomes is, have you seen them play enough? If they don't play for a year or two, does that bother you? And I don't think it really does. No. I, but I think it used to, right? Like, I think it, I mean, it, it does in baseball. I think it does, like, in baseball, which is more of a skill type of regular thing than something that's truly athletic. Right. I, I think in, in football, I think you want them to play to a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a tight threshold as to what is too much. Well, it's really tight, especially with the running backs, right? Where running backs in college football today are downgraded if you have too many carries on you. Right. And, and now we're getting back to what we've talked about before. Exactly. Avian How Bell. we started it all off. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, that's... Who still hasn't come back yet. Right. And, and the whole Earl, Earl Thomas thing is almost, it's all in the same theme. So the danger... And we're a long way from it is if you look at these things rationally, like why am I here today as a doctor or something? Because I love sports, right? I love the unknown. I love the fact that everybody said that there was no way that Justin Verlander, the best big game pitching, the new Jack Morris could lose to David Price, even though. If you look at their career records, they're pretty similar. Verlander has a 3.39 career ERA. Price is 3.35. They both won one Cy Young Award. Their winning percentage is, uh, you know, close to the same. I think Verlander's done it a little bit longer. And in Price's first year, when Tampa used him out of the bullpen, he was great coming down the stretch. And amazing, the amazing. He was used in that role. But we said there was no shot because of Price's record and. Price goes out, wins the game, and, and that's why we love sports. It's the unknown. So I think we're a long way from, from losing it. But when, if we begin to lose the illusion and we stop caring, it, 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 it's, it's a slippery slope. And I think that's what people are really concerned with. I, I tend to agree with that. You mentioned Price. You mentioned Verlander. Let's get into the World Series that kicks off uh, tomorrow night. Um, Chris Sale. Clayton Kershaw, they'll rock it for game one for the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Team with the best record in the American League, those Boston Red Sox. Uh, We'll try to bring it home. We'll we'll try to bring it all home uh, into Boston. And there's been no city like Boston over the last two decades of getting to the finals in their sport. Uh, The Dodgers will try for their first World Series in 20 years, 30 years, excuse me. Well, they got the World Series matchup they wanted, and we're back to real baseball. We have... The aces pitching against the aces yeah. to start the game. Yep. We don't, I don't think we're going to see five pitches and take somebody out of the game. Right. Um, and I think that you could make, you know, a strong argument for each team. And there are very, very interesting things about this. Um, number one is what do you do with J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts? Is Mookie Betts going to play second base when they move? I think, I think he will, yeah. I think he will. Well, or if they're pitching a left-handed pitcher, would they just rest up in, a, in the left field? Ben Attende. Ben Attende. I don't think so. I, I think, and they could. I, I think they're going to go with the best offense each and every night out, which is putting Mookie Betts in second base. It doesn't. It's not like he has no experience there. Oh, he was a decent second baseman. He was fine. He was good enough. And I think 
It makes sense. It's three games. You got to do it. You got to. I, I, I think they, they will, too, and they'll put Martinez in, in the outfield. Yep. Um, and then we get into, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation with the, 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 the DH after this. Uh, I actually think that um, this is the Clayton Kershaw series. I don't know why I feel this way. I think this, he's, this is going to be his Madison Bumgarner moment where he goes out and, you know, I may be dead wrong after, you know, Tuesday if the Red Sox win 14-2, to two, but I think Clayton Kershaw goes out, wins game one, game five, and then we see him pitch in game seven. Or you can pitch a three days rest, rest in game four, go one four seven potentially. I think they usually don't do that. They could. They think they usually go one five. It just seems like to be the new the new norm. The new norm. Yeah. The the new norm. But you know, it, it's interesting what's happened in the playoffs. On one hand, you you if I'm a Boston fan today, um, and and that's probably something you don't want to say in New York, especially after all of these these things. I would be saying. It's really not fair for us to be playing a different game for three games in the World Series. On the other hand, you know, I think that there's always been a movement where the National League would eventually have the DH, and people have been saying that now for 30-plus years. But when we saw Milwaukee doing what they did, is that an argument for why pitches should hit so we don't reach a time where you can have, like, you know, a 14-man pitching staff and just go bing, bing, bing. At least you had to pinch hit. At least there had to be some strategy with what Milwaukee was doing. Whereas opposed to when Tampa was doing it, right. you could just put him out for one inning, sure. you know, blank, 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 and, and leave and, and, and do that. And are we going to get to the point where we're going to see nine pitches a game and, and maybe it doesn't make a difference? You know, we'll have the first inning, second inning, third inning. Just keep on going down that that line. If you don't have a DH, that's certainly you know much more harder to execute. Yeah, it's much tougher to execute in the NL, and there's a lot of decisions to be made. And you saw that uh, in that Brewers Dodgers series where um, the Dodgers were walking players to make sure to make the Brewers make a decision. And you saw Corey Knebel, um have to bat right, right? and and I like that. Same, it was great. I like that. It was I, awesome. I mean, if you're going to gummy up. I mean, dummy up's not the thing. Is you're going to stage your pitching yeah. so mm-hmm. there should be a cost of doing so, mm-hmm. and and so is that an argument against the DH? Well, yeah. So I, I understand both sides, and I, I I always have in this argument of, of the DH versus the non-DH, and there's no doubt about it that not having a DH is more stra- is more strategy, right? There's there's no argument, there's no debate, but in today's climate. Where we are so, and rightfully so, where we are so concerned about health and protection, and we talked about this with college kids a moment ago, that there will be a DH in the National League before there's ever no DH in the American League, without question. But we've, we've been saying that forever. Yes, we and, have. And, 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 and we were having a hard time coming up with an argument, but I think the Milwaukee Brewers may have given us one. That, you know, are we going to just see, yeah. are we just going to see scripted pitching out, out there, mm-hmm. you know, where, where I can just... You know, I'll basically rotate. I'll have 12 pitches. He pitches to the first five hitters next and and, and stuff like that. And there's no downside risk. Because the other thing about that is in an American League team, I really can have a roster of 11 players and be fine. Sure. I can have 14 pitchers. Yeah. You know, I really couldn't do that in the National League. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are some... 
the way Milwaukee played gave some credence to the fact that maybe hold off a little bit on the DH. Maybe to those, those. Maybe those I, I, I thought it. Was, I thought it was a very, very in a, innovative series from Craig Council, who everything lined up. Josh Hader for three in Game Seven. Um, but would, would you have just let him go? Yeah, I would have. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he unless he had nothing left. I mean, I, I guess unless you're worried, he's you know. I, I mean, do you really think he's going to throw out his arm? I mean, I, I, I doubt it. You know what? They they know that certainly better than we would, and I have to think that. They would have. They, they got everything they had out of him. You have to think, right? Like he had nothing else to give, and ultimately, it wasn't his fault. No, no it, wasn't, it wasn't his fault at all. No, Puig hit hit, hit a three run home. I was Jeffers. actually at the yeah. Nick game, which brings us to the NBA. Sure. Don't worry, I won't spit at you, um, or or anything like that. But the NBA is off and running. Any any uh, first in, in impressions? Yeah, uh, very much so. The Pelicans, who we knew would be fun and exciting, are. They are just that. They've been fantastic for the first week of the season, Mitch. And what do you, the, besides the, the, the scrum, the LeBron James Lakers look like they're very small. I don't know. They are small. Definitely small. I don't know if that's a problem in today's NBA at all. Well, you see, I, 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 I don't mind small, but small and weak is a problem. I don't know about small and weak. Rajon Rondo's not weak. Well, but but for example, I think Toronto with Kawhi Leonard yeah. and Abaka look well, much that, much 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 better. Well, that's well, they're not going to be nearly as quick as the Lakers are. The Lakers are going to be much faster. But, yeah, so uh, they don't have to be till the finals. So that's what and, and I mean, and and you're not we're not looking at the the finished Laker team by no, any of course, of course not. By, and, and they're going to by, by any stretch. And LeBron of James said that that we have to listen. It's it's not going to be all all all. Sweet and loving day one. It's not going to be all connected day one. And, and I went to the Nick game Saturday night against the Celtics, where Trey Burke missed at the end. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks are playing hard for Fisdale. It's been fun. They've they, been fun to watch. They've been they've been fun. Tim Hardaway's playing better, mm-hmm. but you, he's played absolutely incredible. But what's interesting is he's just under that really good player. So like in the last two minutes. You know, both in the net yeah. game and the Celtic game. Yeah. After he brings them back, got to give him all the credit in the world. Can't make that last, last shot. finishing shot. Mm-hmm. And 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 I know Burke missed the foul shots, but you know Hardaway hit two threes to bring them back, and then missed the two the two after that. I'm glad you bring up the Knicks because did you read what happened? What James Dolan did today? No, I didn't see any. So so James Dolan was called out by Maggie Gray of uh, WFAN. Yeah, on WFAN. Yeah. And Maggie basically called, her, called him out in the summer for writing a song for James Dolan and JD and the Big Shot, writing a song essentially supporting Harvey Weinstein. And James Dolan, longtime friend of Harvey Weinstein. And she called him every name in the book that's allowed to be said on radio. In response to that, now that the season has begun, James Dolan has banned all Knicks and Rangers and MSG employees, both players, announcers, coaches, etc., from all intercom radio stations across the country. Every CBS radio station, WFAN here in New York, and that's just not Maggie Gray's show, that's Mike Francesa, that's Boomer uh, and Geo, that's everybody across the country. Intercom is on their banned list. What do you think about that? I think... James Dolan is is acting like a moron, vindictive, vindictive, Childish. moron, and and only hurts the Knicks brand. Well, now he, now we're gonna get banned. So thanks, Doc. Okay. Um, only hurts the, the 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 Knicks brand by doing so. Number one, first of all, take a step back. Okay, you can't defend 
Harvey Weinstein. So it, it, the point the point of Maggie's rant was not just about Harvey Weinstein. It was also supporting Isaiah Thomas after uh, that case inside the garden and then bringing Isaiah Thomas back to, to run the Liberty uh, after that case. Was and, 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 you know, there's different things. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that you should abandon your friends in a time of need. Right. But A, especially in a politically charged thing, you don't have to do it publicly where it could be taken out, out, out of time. And you don't have to make it an issue. You can still have a relationship. And if you get questioned, you can say, but I know that person in a different context. I find it hard to accept that they did. I know them in a different context. And I'm not sure of what ex- exactly transpired because it's nothing that I've seen personally. And we've had a personal relationship and I'd like to take that off thing. But to go ahead and not allow the Knicks to be on any sort of radio, television, and stuff like that. And Rangers. And Rangers. A, you're hurting your fan base, Mm -hmm. okay? Whether we think we can do it better than WFAN or not, they are one of the original, if not the original. The original. And the premier sports station Mm -hmm. in, in the country. A lot of listeners... And they've given an audience and a voice to the fan in New York. So number one, you're hurting your constituency for your own petty grievance. And Dolan has always struggled with why is he despised? And he just doesn't get it. You know, take a step back and say, how does this? We already know that you're wealthy, own the Knicks, and have influence. So by flexing another muscle, do we think he's tougher? Do we think he's braver? What does he get out of this? We already know that his net worth is much more than yours or mine. We already know that Cablevision, Madison Square Garden, etc. We already know that he employs a lot of people. We already know that just like everybody like that, there have been some good things like the Lust Garden Foundation for pancreatic cancer, which is, came out of Cablevision. And there are a lot of bad things. Okay. When do you ever just rise above the tide and just let things roll off your back? He doesn't. Which he doesn't. And, and, and where do you think, how do you think this benefits anybody? It doesn't. It benefits ESPN Radio because they're the only ones that get these guys, but that's about it. Okay, it benefits ESPN Radio. And in in essence, if you really want to know the truth, okay, if you really want to know the truth, he has basically made Maggie Gray's argument, which is by basically singling out a female in what is still a predominantly male industry. Mm Mm-hmm. He's given credence to everything that she has said. Mike Francesa actually on the radio today defended James Dolan, kind of threw Maggie Gray under the bus because he's upset because he's friendly with James Dolan. And, you know, that's interesting. Well, again, I think that, you know, Francesa, who we all grew up listening to, I I, I don't think he's moved with the generation. I don't I I don't think that he gets certain issues. I think he always wants to take the classical you know, traditionalist mm-hmm. approach, you know, about, for example, whether it's throwing inside in baseball. Okay. Times are different now. We understand the baseball is a missile and, you know, oh, he's only throwing at his buttock. You know, it, it, 
they walk a lot of players. Somebody's going to miss the buttock and get something worse. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't think, you know, I don't care that Drysdale and Gibson have done that. Okay. This is different times. Totally. Okay. Totally. At different times. You know, Daryl Stingley said, they used to say they call me assassin. It's different times. Mm-hmm. And we look at things different. Mm-hmm. We have a higher value on human life right now. We place, we don't look at these people as gladiators. We now look at them as people. Okay. And I think there's huge changes going on. And I don't think he gets it. And I think when Dolan comes after Maggie Gray, I think basically this is a, a, another wealthy male bullying a female in a man's world. That's what I think the public is. And there you go. And there you go with the NBA there. Before we wrap up, I do want to get into week seven here, which is, which is wrapping up tonight. Giants and Falcons on Monday night football, Doc. Uh, a couple of crazy instances over the last week where we saw Derek Anderson start at quarterback for the Bills. Brock Osweiler start at quarterback for the Dolphins once again. And the latest news just before we started uh, our show today, Amari Cooper traded to Dallas for a first round draft pick. Well, I think that... You know, I think that's a lot to give up. Way too much to give up. I mean, I think that, A, the NFC is there for the taking. Sure. Okay. We talked about that last week. The NFC is there for the taking. But again, I, I, I told you I thought Dallas was in one of the worst shapes in the NFL, even mm-hmm. though I prefaced the statement by them winning by 40 points. Because, because Jackson, I man. think that deals like this and where they stand— and then coming up to decide whether they have to pay Dak or not, which none of us really know. I think that they're on that kind of verge of being mediocre forever. Okay. And I think this is another. I, I don't think Amari Cooper has distinguished himself as Jerry Jones' number one draft, number one. And that's a pretty valuable first round draft pick. And somebody that now you're going to have to pay because I believe he's in his third third year. He's in his fourth, so he's in his fourth, fourth year. year. His fifth year option's already been picked up. So next year, he'll be a contract year. So you, so you got to pay him. You got to pay him. Uh-huh. So now what do you pay him as? The thing that I thought it was, was, was really, you know, some of the interesting things I saw yesterday was Mike Vrabel going for two mm-hmm. at the end of that game. Yeah. But before you get into that, I want to go back to Cooper for a second. And what really bothers me, and they did exactly what the Giants did. Going, I know you're like, the Giants. It goes right back to what the Giants did, right? They came into this year, and every single fan knew their offensive line was terrible. Every single fan knew. And they came in in that first game when they started Eric Flowers at right tackle, and he was terrible. They seemed shocked, right? Like, there was no plan. We talked about this on our show, that there was no... It, it was mind-boggling. They did nothing to address the obvious weakness of this team. With Dallas, once they got rid of Des Bryant, rightfully so, because no teams picked him up, everybody knew they had no wide receiving core. Everybody. And they did nothing to address it besides bringing in a fourth-round draft pick and bringing in a guy that's better suited as number two or number three is Alan Hearns. They had no number one wide receiver. And what did they do? Nothing. So now they had to go pay more, just like the Giants had to overpay for Nate Solder. They had to go out and pay more, a first-round draft pick, for a guy who's had a major concussion that he's going through right now. And has a contract due up next year where he's going to want to be paid much better than he is. They're just creating more problems. It's crazy. Well, they, they, Dallas seems to be run. Barry Jones seems to be more like a fan, even yeah. though he's done this for, for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Then as, you know, the juxta opposite would be the New England Patriots, who even without Gronk, 
lose. They still put up 38 on what everybody was talking about was a great bear defense. And, and you see how they've righted the ship and all they looked crazy in Detroit. And it must be coaching and system. It must be. And there are several things to, to go through that I think were absolutely really, really interesting. The going for two at the end of the Houston, yep. not at the end of the Tennessee uh-huh. uh, Chargers game Chargers in London. Game. Yep. Would you have done that? We've seen it before this year. Uh, we, and Vrabel's done this a couple of times now where he's decided to go for it on a fourth down instead of kick a field goal, go for two. And the percentage says, listen, we talked about this too. 50-50. It's 50-50. And when they moved it to the, after the penalty, when he moved it to the one-yard line, it's over 50% chance you get it. Now, the play call sucked. Yeah, I didn't the understand the play. The play call sucked. But him going for it, I stand by it, right? This is, I, 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 have, I have no problem. I have a question for you. One play for Mitch, one play from the one-yard line to win the game. You got to hit it. You got to get there. I have a question for you. Are you allowed to fake? Are you allowed to say you go for one and move the ball back and fake it? I don't know the... Well, you're allowed to fake it. You're allowed to do whatever you want. Well, because... No, because now you have to designate because the ball snapped at a different place. Well, I'm saying... Well, the ball's... The ball is... Snap for a different place, right? So, are you allowed to go to, oh, the other way? You're saying are you allowed to say, say you're I'm going, going for, for two. one? Going for one, you could, well, you could do that, and 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 because you realize you can't everybody, do it the, you can't do it no, the other way. No one in the world would ever think you're doing that because they come charging off to try to block the kick, and you could easily slip somebody out. Well, it? you could, but that's also a disaster because if anyone notices that you're 20 yards back, right? Yeah. The other way, you can't do it because no, you, right? No, you can't yeah. do it the other way. But I just, and I don't know when they changed that rule where the faking is legal. The other thing that was interesting is 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 we talked about who the second best coach in football was we did and espn did this draft Mm -hmm. of the 50 top coaches in all the sports and i'll throw out hockey because most of us can't name enough hockey coaches to be relevant peter lavula (laughs) actually they had mike babcock rated as the top the from from uh the red wings um hockey coach so they ranked number one Mm -hmm. and this is amazing to me okay Mm mm-hmm one, Belichick. Number two, they ranked Brad Stevens ahead of Popovich, which was amazing to me. Yeah. Okay. The, or, 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 and the next highest football coach they had was Sean McVay. Then they had Andy Reid. Andy Reid, yeah. And you know who they had 23rd ahead of Sean Payton, ahead of Mike Tomlin, who've actually won for years? Kyle Shanahan. That's weird. I mean, the whole thing That's is... That's weird. You know, and I think that, again... You take a step back and say, to be a great coach, you have to do it over a long time, time, a time, because Ben McAdoo was 11 and five in his first year. Okay. Yeah. And maybe, maybe he would have been the flavor of the week and he could have been seventh. Sure. You know, you got to give real, a lot of credit to everybody saying that you can't win with an air raid quarterback. You can't win with a big 12 quarterback. And Andy Reid getting rid of Alex Smith and actually getting some of the value that he gave, back, gave up for Pat Mahomes to do it, picking his guy and being, you know, six and one today. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to give a, 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 a lot, a lot of credit, you know, compared to people like we were talking about Mike Francesa saying, oh, you can't win with, you know, a big 12 quarterback. Like, says who? Everything's changed. Says who? Everything's changed. Oh. 
Anyway, who do you like tonight? Tonight, Giants and Falcons. Monday Night Football in Atlanta. I told you last week, I don't pick bad teams. I, it's stupid. It only hurts you. I'll take the Falcons at home. What about you? Every time you really expect the Giants to lose, like I think about Denver, this team, yeah. last year, and you say there's no way they're 0-1 by they're going uh-huh. to Denver and win. The Houston game, we said there's absolutely no way to win. Yeah. Okay. The Giants are the type of team where they win this game and then then we get excited again and then they lose every time we expect it to win. Also, the Giants played better on the road. It's really, I don't think the the Giants have won one home game in the last two years. Great. That's a perfect fact to end today's World Series. World Series. I told you like the Red Sox. Give me the Red Sox in seven. Dodgers seven. Dodgers in seven. All right. Mitch Roslin. Greg Sussman, see you next week. It has been a pleasure. We're going to do it all again next week here on Doc Jock. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate you listening. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.